0: Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free
1: lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. So in today's episode, we have Nicole Victoria, and she is an investor from Canada and has so much insight when it comes to getting out of debt and getting out of debt at a young age. And we dive into this on today's episode.
2: And we really break down what does that really mean, the first, second, and third step that anybody can do in order to figure out their debt, deal with it, and really start implementing strategies that your money can work much better in different places. She's going to also share how she was able to really analyze the data and purchase her first property and where she's going now. So from debt to self-millionaire, this is all about in this episode. Before we get into Nicole's story, let's hear a word from our sponsors.
0: Interest rates are sky high in 2023, and buying a rental property means you could get stuck with an 8 9 or 10% mortgage rate. But what about a 2.99% rate with Rent to Retirement? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller-financed 2.99% interest rate with an average cash flow of over $900 per month. Plus, they've got options where you can put as little as 5% down with no PMI. As the nation's leading turnkey investment company, Rent to Retirement helps investors build headache-free, high-cash-flow rental portfolios. And since their properties are fully turnkey, newly built or renovated, leased and managed, anyone can invest, even those who aren't into landlording. So what are you waiting for? This 2.99% rate deal won't last long. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. Or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777
3: Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com.
1: Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Invest Her Show. Our mission is to empower women to live a financially free and balanced life, whatever
2: that means to them, right, Andressa? Yes. And for all the men that are listening, thank you for listening. It's important that you also hear different perspectives from from women that have gone through different paths that you probably were like, whoa, wh- wait a minute. I never heard from that perspective. So thanks so much for being a support to our community. And please share this podcast with the women that you love, trust, and respect that might also benefit from being part of our investor community. And Nicole, thank
1: you so much for being here. I appreciate your time. Excited to jump into your story uh, and, and your path and how you went from you know, $50,000 a year to pretty much becoming a self-made millionaire. So excited about your journey. Just so, uh, you know, inspired by that. So thank you for making time. Thank you for being here today.
4: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here and to be able to share a little bit more about my story and see if your listeners can take anything out of it and apply it to their lives. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we want to start with this question. What lesson has taken you the longest to learn? I think the lesson that has taken me the longest to learn is to quite simply listen to myself. So I know it's important to get feedback um, and information and education from people who have been there and done that or people who are experts in that industry. However, I also think that it's very important to take all of that information and then derive your own opinion. Once you have all of the information from various sources, uh, because I think it's important to remember that different people have different perspectives. Different people have different biases based on where they've been, what they've done, what they've gone through. Um, and I shouldn't make decisions based on what was good for somebody else. But I should make decisions based on all of the information and then trusting my gut on what is best for me personally.
2: Hmm. That, that's great. And I think that's applicable for all the ladies that are listening that are starting, the middle, pivoting going financially free is all about creating the life on on your own terms and you know a lot of people i i hear this there's a lot and when frequent questions on our community and different forums that i'm part of is that people want to they see the potential in investing in real estate however they do not have their personal finances in check mm-hmm. they haven't debt they have several credit card you know mm-hmm. balances there and in your your journey into really paying off the debt you mentioned a method called ICE I I C E let's let's share with our listeners uh let's break that down because I believe that first before you invite people to your house to have dinner you got to clean up the house right I- so that, is- <laughs> that list when I come. <laughs> do you clean the house before I go? I know you do because you're Italian yeah. and you have the vinegar out. I love vinegar.
1: I love cleaning with vinegar. But the, the funny joke between me and my husband, really quick, is that he says, I know when your parents are coming because you clean the house. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he's like, they're your parents. I'm like, but still, it has to be put together, you know? So
2: so you I see your parents going around and trying to feel the dust. No, it's my own crazy. Got a lot of craziness. It's on that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we you So so going back, Nicole, cleaning the house, mm-hmm. meaning taking care of your debt before investing in real estate or as you are investing in, in, in real estate. So let's talk about, let's break down this method called ICE, ICE, and how you were be you were able to to take care of your own debt. Yeah. Um, so I went
4: from $40,000 in debt um, because of my student loans and was able to pay that off in 18 months basically using this method. So this method is essentially one that I have developed myself and it starts out with Illuminate. That's the I. And I think this is the really like the biggest part, I guess, what I've seen even in our old community is that people don't understand how much debt they're in. They don't understand where the debt is coming from. They don't know what the interest rates are. So if you're going to make a plan on how to get from point A to point B, point A is you're in debt, point B you're debt free. Well, if we don't really understand what point A is, we're never going to be able to draw that map properly. So it's important for us to go back and illuminate and light up and understand the exact position that we're in so that we can craft that that strategy moving forward. So the first step is illuminate. Um, the before, set- before
2: you go yeah. there, I just want to highlight this uh for all the listeners. I think and, and I don't know your experience with, with the folks that have gone through it, but this is like the first but one of the biggest steps. Because yes. people don't want to see it. They don't yeah. want to look at the bank account or the the balance on their credit cards and they don't want to see it. And I think that when people have the courage to really face it then they're ready to deal with it. Yes, when they're not ready to to do this work and they're just like, "Oh, it's roughly this much." And mm-hmm. then I don't think that they're ready to really do the work cuz that takes a lot of courage to really face it what it is. For sure. Yeah, there's definitely
4: a lot of avoidance and if you're feeling that and you're listening, like know that you're not alone and there are so many people like it is very common for people to have this kind of avoidance with their debt because it brings stress and it brings anxiety and in a lot of cases it brings shame and fear right so we need to understand that debt is not about we don't need to be looking at this and be feeling shame we don't need to be looking at this and feeling blame. uh we need to just look at this from a purely numbers perspective and say okay where am i at right now and then how can i get out of this because i think mindset like going back to what you said and dress up it's that psychology, right? It's that mindset. It's that understanding that your past choices don't define you and your past choices don't make you, you know, a good or a bad person when it comes to your debt, right? Most people have debt, right? The average American has, I think, what is like a four or $5,000 credit card balance. Everybody's got stupid loans, you know? Uh, So I think it's about dropping that shame and dropping that blame, getting into that mindset of, I just want to put my money where it's going to work the hardest for me. So if you think of it this way, say you make $50,000 a year, you have 50,000 little workers, okay? You have 50,000 little workers, you're going to put them to work. Where are you going to put them that is going to get you closest to your overall life goals? Where are you going to put them where they're going to work hardest for you? Something that I think is really important to think about too is that the point of money is that money is a tool, right? Money is a tool to help us build our dream life. And if we're going to be trading hours of our limited life, right, we get 700,000 hours in a lifetime if we're lucky. So if we're going to trade some of those limited hours for money, we want to
2: be able to derive the
4: most happiness possible out of every dollar that we're spending. And now it may not seem like they're going to get happiness out of paying off that debt because a lot of people are like, oh, you know, I worked so hard for this money. I don't want to put it on my credit card statement. I don't want to put on my credit card bill, my student loans. That's money that's just flying out of my life. But I want you, if that's you, I want you to think about the feeling when that debt is gone. I want you to think about the feeling when you can actually start working towards your other financial goals. Maybe you want to buy a house. Maybe you want to invest in a rental property. Maybe you want to pay for your wedding, go on you know an amazing vacation. But you haven't been able to do that because this debt has been holding you back like a ball in a chain. So instead of focusing on, well, I'm paying this into my debt and it sucks, focus on, What am I going to get to do with all of this money, right? All this money that I'm flowing into my debt right now. What am I going to get to do with that? And what happiness, what enjoyment, what fulfillment is that going to bring to my life afterward? That's huge. And
1: with the women, women and men listening, sometimes we have debt, not just from student loans. We have debt from properties that we bought that we overpaid for. And, you know, we couldn't pay off the loan or something happens. I feel like so much of the debt that my husband and I have had to pay off and really to deal with, you know, some shame and some guilt. It has been, you know, making the wrong call on properties, construction over overruns, you know, dealing with, with those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's very real for real estate investors. So it may not be yeah. personal debt, but it's business debt, right? It's property debt
2: in a we sense hear of, that, though. We don't yeah. We don't hear that other people have business debt, that their projects did not go well, mm-hmm. right? And I think that that's what this this shame come through? Because then people feel isolated I'm like, I am the only one that's up here, and everybody else is succeeding on their burst strategy. And, uh, you know, everybody seems to manage their contractor so beautifully. Yeah. And they <laughs> never robbed them. It, the- yeah.
1: yeah. We got, we got really taken in a sense. And there was stuff, stuff you have to own, right? Mm-hmm. Nicole, you have to own it and what you, yeah, how you contributed. So I think that's the other piece of it.
4: You have to learn. And so you don't be piano, yeah. right? So. Yes. I think there's a big difference between I, I, I preach a lot of this when I talk about personal finance and uh, people always say, well, you know, you you shouldn't be taking the blame and this isn't your fault or whatever it is. And I think there's a difference between taking responsibility and then taking the blame. So there's this kind of like anecdote, I guess, that I use where I say. Imagine you were going to cross the street, right? And you're at a crosswalk. You push the little button. You wait for the light to turn green. The little walking man is there. You start walking across the street. Somebody runs a red, and they hit you. Break both your legs. Okay, so you're in the hospital. The doctor comes to you in the hospital, and the doctor says, "Okay, you know, you're you're going to have to have surgery, and you're going to need to do six months of physio so that you're able to walk properly again." And you go, "Well, this isn't my fault." I didn't hit, you know, I did everything right. I stopped at the crosswalk. I pressed the button. I waited for the green light. I shouldn't have to do this. I shouldn't have to take my time and my money and my energy into going to physio. So then you decide that, you know what? I'm not going to take responsibility for this because it's not my fault. So then you go the rest of your life not being able to walk properly. You're in pain. You're limping. You have a cane. Because not because it was your fault, but because you didn't take responsibility for the actions that you took afterwards. So I think it's really important to remember the difference between responsibility and the blame, and then understanding that there's no shame, again, around any of those things, because like I don't think that there are failures, right? There are just opportunities to learn, and especially in business, right? Every time that we have a setback, every time that something doesn't go exactly as planned, we're just gathering more information so that we can make a better decision, the next time. Nobody's perfect and nobody's ever going to get it 100% perfect the first time. And that's okay. And it's kind of a beautiful thing because it teaches us lessons. And as long as we were able to take something out of it, then the next time it's going to be better and the next time it's going to be better. And I think that's what we need to focus on, that growth uh, and who we were before or where we were before versus comparing ourselves to other people that may have been starting from a different point or had access to different resources or whatever the case may be. Yeah, absolutely. So you got Illuminate. That's lighting up what's happening with yeah. what, what's to see. Uh, the second one is cut. So uh, cutting costs, cutting things out that are not serving you, not growing you, not making you happy. There are so many times where people are paying for things that they don't even use, right? They're basically just giving donations to multi-billion dollar corporations in terms of subscriptions they don't use or NSF they could have easily gotten taken off of their account statement if they had just called the bank and talked to them, like all of these different things. So we want to start cutting the things out that don't really matter to us. And then we want to start cutting our costs in meaningful ways by learning things like negotiation. So negotiate, like I love negotiating. I negotiate everything, negotiating all your bills, your insurance, your your debt so even if you have credit card debt you're able to maybe negotiate that interest rate maybe you move that over to a balance transfer card with zero percent interest right so we're looking at ways that we can cut cloth, not necessarily by cutting the thing that of our life that we love but by cutting the things that aren't really serving us growing us or making us happy so that we're able to find that extra cash to be able to start putting towards that debt um
5: If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com biggerpockets. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve steadily.com. can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today.
3: Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes, but how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 Exchanges. Or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure.
2: I I love that, what you're saying, though. And I think that people could do like an inventory, an audit. Mm-hmm. to really understand what it is and what it what it's not and then call all of them or yes take it or or call all that you will be listen for all of you that are listening to us right now we might not have grew up with parents that promoted uh negotiation and that was a cultural matter or unless you're from Morocco where you must negotiate right I might be butchering all the different cultures here but forgive me for that but in certain cultures negotiating means that you're cheap means that you're not valuing the other person's job or right i'm not saying to go to your local you know stores where you see somebody made this beautiful piece by hand and try to cut get that for 50% off. I don't believe in that type of mm-hmm. negotiation. I I believe in supporting local small businesses. That that being said, I do call Verizon. I do I do call Verizon and I don't care if my plan is up once a year, I call Verizon mm-hmm. and I ask them the following question. I don't ask them like, can you give me a discount? Mm-hmm. I ask them like an open question. What can you do for me meaning i am assuming that there is something that they can do for me i either get a better value or they reduce my view but i am going in assuming that they can do something for me and i keep repeating the same question until i get something out yeah yeah a hundred percent get something out of it yeah we just had
4: an issue with our internet where Every 20 minutes, it was dropping the connection for a couple of minutes. And it doesn't sound like a big deal, but I work online and it was just super frustrating because it was messing up my recordings and stuff. Um, so we called our internet service provider and they're just like, yeah, you know, there's a problem in your area, but like, it's been like this for three weeks. So like we hope to have it resolved soon. And a lot of people would have just taken that and been like, okay, and wait for the problem to resolve itself. But we said very simply, well, how can you help me with that? How can you help me? And by the end of it, we had, you know, our internet free for the month, which was $100. And, you know, maybe people are like, well, $100 is not really worth it. I spent about 10 minutes on the phone. So if you can make $100 in 10 minutes, I think that that's a win, right? Yeah, it's fun. That's great. All right. Love that. So C is cut. What is E? Earn. Uh, So focusing on ways that you can start to bring more money into your life. So creating multiple streams of income, working on negotiating a raise with your current employer. Maybe that is starting a side hustle or doing some consulting work. Like let's say that you work in HR for a large corporation. Uh, Can you offer your consulting work as an HR representative? Uh, to small businesses in your area that maybe can't afford to have a full hr team but need somebody that they can rely on to ask you know labor related questions or maybe uh you know learn about the hiring process or whatever it is so finding ways that you can add more money into your life first we really want to focus on ways that we can add in more money uh, without working harder without trading more of our life and that's why we want to focus on that ne- negotiation piece first uh, but then after that, looking at adding in other streams of income so that we can really funnel more money into getting this debt paid off. I'm,
2: I'm curious. So you got out of 40000 dollar debt. How did you make that transition per se to, to real estate and where you are at now?
4: Yeah. So um, I actually did it simultaneously. So it was interesting. Um, I, you know, I did kind of what you were supposed to do, right? I went to school, I took on the student loans, I got the corporate job, and then I realized I, number one, didn't have any of the happiness or success or money that I was going to have by going that route. Um, and then number two, I was wondering, you know, how am I going to be able to do things like pay for my wedding or be able to buy my first property and, and that kind of thing? And that's when I really started learning about more, about money and personal finance and real estate, Um, I actually ended up working at a real estate brokerage on the weekends at that time um, and getting my real estate license. So I had, uh, you know, my full-time job, real estate office on the weekends, uh, doing my real estate license and then selling real estate while doing all of those other things as well. Um, But yeah, (laughs) I think I'm a big proponent of working hard and doing the hard things now so that we can have the soft life later, right? So worked hard, hustled, Um, really learned about personal finance, learned about investing, uh, was exposed to the real estate world. And I got really lucky. The first brokerage that I worked for was with this incredible real estate broker. And he really focused on the data behind real estate. That was his whole thing, the data and the trends. And he was actually doing his PhD in economics. So it was really a a pivotal moment for me, I think. like I learned so much from him about the markets and about what to look for. Like we did research for government agencies and that kind of thing. And I got to be involved in all of that. So from there, I really started looking at, okay, I guess maybe there was a break in this story. So I was simultaneously looking for my first property to buy. And at the time the market was insane and my husband and I kept getting outbid on all of these houses. And we're like, oh my God, we're never going to be able to afford the house that we want. We're never going to be able to break into the housing market. Um, because, you know, we're bidding on these, you know, three, four bedroom homes, and we wanted to buy our forever home. And we realized that this just isn't possible for us right now. So we went back to the drawing board and then using my information and knowledge that I had from working in real estate, I was able to say, okay, maybe I can't buy the house that I want right now, but can I buy the home that will get me into the house that I want? Can I buy the home that will set me up financially so that I'm able to make that step? So instead of looking for my forever family home i started looking for a property that i thought was going to be able to be you know to have good prospects for future appreciation so that meant looking at properties uh, in areas that were maybe not as developed yet were on the outskirts of really expensive areas looking for properties in areas that were walkable that were transit accessible and at this time from being a real estate agent what i could see was that there was kind of this exodus from the main core of the city into kind of these surrounding suburbs. And the reason for that was that the city was just getting so unaffordable, especially for first-time buyers. Like, I remember at that time, I had two clients, or I had a client, and it was the husband and wife, and they were both lawyers. And I'm showing them homes with, like, raw sewage leaking into the basement, and I'm like, this is where we're at right now. And I'm like, okay, if the lawyers are having trouble affording houses, then, like, I need to go back to the drawing board. So I'm like, I could see that this area that I ended up purchasing in was going to be the next big thing because I'm like, look, okay, it's not on the subway line, but it's on the go train line and it's only 20 minutes to downtown and it's actually faster to get to downtown from this area on the go train than it is from in the city on the subway. And I'm like, this is a huge selling factor. It was in, you know, a really good school district. It was walkable and I could see that you know, a lot of these older bungalows were being bought up and developed into these, you know, these huge two-storied homes uh, because they had the wide lots and that kind of thing there. And I'm like, okay, I see this change happening. I see these other factors that are, you know, positive for this neighborhood. It's right outside of really expensive, uh, other really expensive neighborhoods. Uh, And I was able to find this condo townhouse building. And at first, I'm like, okay, it's super undervalued. Everything else around it is selling for, you know, 50% more. Why is this so cheap? When I went in, the first thing that I saw from reviewing the status certificate was that there was actually a loan against the condo corporation. So from first glance, right, this is going to be a red flag for a lot of people. And they're going to say there's a loan against the condo corporation. Maybe there's some sort of financial mismanagement. Maybe they haven't been able to pay their bills. Like, no, that's a big X for me and walk away. Um, I did a little bit more digging. And what I found out was that that loan was taken out for discretionary purposes so that they could renovate the property. So this was an older condo building built in like the 70s. And this loan was taken out so they could put in a playground so that they could redo the balconies. so that they could redo the lobbies. And I'm like, amazing, because it's forest appreciation that I don't have to manage or pay for. So I'm like, we're going to get that forest appreciation when they come in and do all of these renovations. Plus, I can see this becoming more attractive to people once the loan is off of the status certificate it's not going to be as scary from like a financing perspective even from like a bank perspective so we actually ended up buying there and it's funny because my friends were like I would never have bought that property gave like a triangle balcony it's in this old building it's not in the center of town but in two years I was able to flip that home for hundred and fifty thousand dollar profit and then use that to roll into my next property and that's kind of what I've been doing since then
1: yeah, I think you said something. You said something really, really powerful. I really want to reiterate here is that you said, "What's going to get me?" So your goal is your dream home. Mm-hmm. You said, "What What's going to get me there strategically is to take action on this particular property or outside exactly." And I think so often we're looking. So many people that are listening want the home run, right? They want the, okay. they want that like perfect duplex or perfect multifamily that, you know, is, is value-add and is making all this money and, you know, you could retire off of. But sometimes it means doing something in between that. And and it's all part of the puzzle. And I think we we put too much weight on, re- you know, not not getting deterred, being strategic and intentional with those steps. So I just I, I want reiterate, to reiterate that for you. And that was a live
4: and flip, correct? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I love doing that. So I'm in Canada um, and... By doing that, you're able to actually utilize the um, the the tax exemption for your primary residence. So there's no capital gains tax or anything on your gains there.
2: And and you both that, uh, Nicole. How long was that? Uh, it was in two years. Wow. So in two years, you you went. Was that the same time that you were paying off your debt? Yes, it was uh,
4: simultaneously. So I I know I went a little bit out of step there. Uh, I think, again, when I go back to what I said with if you have $50,000 a year that you're making, you have 50,000 little workers, where are they going to work the hardest for you? My debt was student loan debt. So is that a relatively low interest rate? Had that big credit card debt, then I may have been paying that off a little bit more aggressively prior to that. Uh, But I was thinking, okay, how can I get myself from point A to point B, which is, you know, I really wanted to be able to work towards financial independence. And I thought that if I waited to start investing, uh, that I would actually be giving up some good years for compounding and some good years for being able to you know, start that portfolio sooner rather than later. I mean, if I to go back uh, and there was a way that I could have done it, I probably would have rather bought like a duplex or a triplex um, in that same kind of area and then held on to it and then done some sort of cash out, refinance, pull the equity out. But you know, at the end of the day, I'm happy with my decision. I profited $150,000. And again, you live and you learn. So with my second property that I did that with, I was actually going to sell it and flip it again. Um, but I decided to keep it and actually have it as a rental property right now.
2: And what's next for you now? Um, we're
4: looking at other opportunities for rental properties, some multifamily, um, Right now, my focus is on cash flow. And I think with the current interest rate environment and the prices of houses where I am in Canada, um, it just, I haven't found anything that's really exciting me. I've been looking, I've been looking everywhere, but I just haven't found anything that's excited me too much. So um, I've been focusing on REITs in the interim, which is, you know, giving me that exposure to real estate in a little bit more of a passive way and then still bringing me that monthly cash flow. I think that's so huge in, in today's economy is to say, how can I keep
1: my money working for me? And yeah. if I'm not the active one doing it all and I, and I think exactly. that's the beauty, beautiful part about our, our business is people are doing deals. And, and so we just need to, I, lo- I love what you're saying. You have all these workers, right? Yes. You might have uh, on the sidelines, uh, you just want to be mindful of the time frame, right? Just make sure as you're, as you're exploring passive investments, you know, what's the whole time? How yes. long will your, your money be tied up? Right. And so you want to be exactly. mindful of that. But beyond that, right, we we want to keep our money working for us. So it's been great, Nicole. Thank you for 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 those suggestions. Where can the, the folks that are listening and,
4: and joining us learn more about you? Yeah, we have an amazing Facebook group. It's got over 65,000 members. If you uh, had any further questions about REITs or any of that kind of stuff, any of my debt repayment stuff, uh, you can find me on master your money and build a bank account that never stops growing or you can find me on social media at no budget babe
2: awesome all this information you guys can find on our show notes now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions and the first one nico is what's the most transformational book you ever read
4: the good one um i think that has to be the four hour work week that was huge and really a pivotal moment in my life when i read that in my early 20s when i realized that there are so many different paths that you can take and you don't have to follow this traditional nine to five working 40 hours a week if you're lucky (laughs) until you're 65
2: awesome second question what is the most powerful routine that you do to create a financially free and balanced life so
4: when i would wake up in the morning um i like have super anxiety i'm like i need to check my phone I need to checked my social media I need to check my uh emails and all of that kind of stuff and i realized that this was really setting me up to have kind of just like anxiety throughout the day i wasn't setting myself out on the right foot um so i actually joined this gratitude group with a bunch of my friends um what we do every morning is go in and see a few things that we're grateful for in our lives that day and i think that that really helps keep me grounded and keep me Focus on the things that are going well instead of you know. But there's a million things that are going well and one thing that's going wrong. It's so easy to focus and pinpoint on that one wrong thing. Um, so I think that that has been super transformational for me as well.
2: The last question: Which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? That definitely has to be my nana. She
4: passed about a year ago, but there was something that she always used to say to me, and I didn't realize how profound it was until I get I got older. Um, every time I would see her, she'd come over to me and she'd put her hand on my knee and she would say, are you happy? Um, and it seems like such a small thing, but when I went through my like quarter life crisis in my twenties and I was like, what is the point of everything? Why are we here? What are we doing? What I really came back to was that the whole point of life is just happiness. And if you're not happy then what are you doing, right? And I think in her own way, that was how she was kind of getting that point across to me. So everything that I do now is focused on that happiness and focused on getting me back to my values of freedom and family. Great. Nicole, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with our our community
2: and our listeners and appreciate your time so much. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Nicole. A pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews,
1: Ciao